you. So, Father God, I thank you and I praise you, Lord God, for who you are and who you are in me. That on my own, I am not self-sufficient, that I need you. You are the breath in my lungs. You are my life. You are my hope. And whenever I think I don't need you, God, I am thankful you stop me. I am thankful when I trip if I'm away from you because you lift me back up. And I thank you, Lord God, that I have that hope and that promise that you will sustain me, that you will strengthen me. And so today, as I deliver your word, I ask that it be your words, what you want out, and I pray that I just be the vessel that you deliver it through. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this weekend is Memorial Weekend, and tomorrow being Memorial Day, it's not just a day for barbecues and family get-togethers and such like that. It is a time to remember those who have fallen during wartime. Many of you here, especially the younger generation, hasn't seen things like World War I, World War II, the Korean War, Vietnam, Desert Storm, so many others, and people who have given their lives for the sake of the freedom, not of just the United States, but other countries as well. It's something that we must not take lightly because as we heard before, Jesus said uh, that no greater love is there than this, that someone would lay down their lives for a friend. And friends, many of these soldiers, if any of you like uh, World War II history, I, I do, and you see some of those boys at Normandy, they were boys. Some of them 16, 17, 18 years old, knowing that they're running running into the face of fire from the German army. Yet they did it. They served, and many gave up their lives. I'm wondering if anyone here has lost a loved one during war. Anyone? Okay, Diane, would you stand? Anybody else, any loved one during war? You can see that it's been a long time since we've had, you know, Vietnam was my era. Uh, my parents, World War II. My grandfather, World War I. I don't know anybody in the Korean War. You can stay standing, Diane. It's okay. Even if you're the only one. Because now, even though I know this isn't Veterans Day, this is Memorial Day, have any of you served in the armed forces? Would you stand? Stand, please. And I have two, by the way. I'd just like you to look around. We live in a day where some of these things are looked down upon, but I want to say you guys are heroes. Freedom is not free. Jesus paid it all for us, for our freedom. And these who are soldiers are willing to go even though they know there's danger. And I want to just say, I salute you. And I thank you. And I thank the Lord for the opportunities he has given all of us to serve. And we just give you thanks. Thank you. And I want to say God bless you and God bless America. The message I have today is called Jesus in the Storm. And it's interesting, we've got storm watches out today. And um, how many of you remember a couple weeks ago, the nice big storm that blew down many of our trees? Um, I don't see a lot of kids here, but I want to just ask some of you kids, 
What makes you afraid? You can yell it out. Anything make you afraid? Does a storm make you afraid? Who said that? And what, is, what do you do when you're afraid? Where do you go? Do you go to your mom and dad or do you hide under your covers? What do you do when you're afraid? You know, think about it. Um, when I was little, I was the youngest of four at that time, and so I always had to go to bed early. I was the one that had to go to bed first, and I remember being afraid in that bedroom all by myself. I often wouldn't go to sleep until my older sister came in, and I was afraid of under my bed, I was afraid of the closet, I was afraid of the dark, I, was, I used to lay there still thinking whatever's in my room won't see I'm here. I mean, they're silly fears, but we all had them. Um, what I was going to talk about mainly this morning got shifted a little bit by Tuesday. How many of you know what happened on Tuesday? It was a terrible thing. On Monday, I thought I had everything all put together. Then we heard the news about the horrific shooting in the Texas school. How do we reason and comfort each other when an 18-year-old can walk into a school and kill 19 little kids and two teachers and his grandmother? We know and we tell each other that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, but this is such senselessness. Many might even cry out, God, do you care? Yet from the beginning, the God of this age, by the way, who is the devil, has sought to steal, kill, and destroy. I believe God wants us to take a hard look at some things right now. What makes us fearful? What keeps us from that peace in the storm? You know, I struggle as a mom, even thinking about hearing the news about the shooting. I can't imagine running to the school to wonder if your son is dead or alive. Young people, when you go to school and you hear stories like this, how do you stay strong and brave? How do you believe in good? Friends, to get right down to the nitty-gritty, this is why Jesus came. We live in a world made in perfection, but corrupted by sin, and this sin has infected every generation, every area of life on this earth. Jesus said, brother will betray brother to death. A father will betray his own child, and children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. Matthew 10, 21. From the time of the Garden of Eden to this day until the Lord's make, and he is, by the way, going to make all things new. That's our hope. Not only is he going to make all things new, he's going to make us new. The entire creation right now groans with the penalty of sin and hopes for and longs for its redemption. So why are we surprised when evil seems to prevail? Jesus said, you will be hated by the world because it hated me first. My family, this is why we need Jesus. What we are experiencing is a godless system, a godless world, a society that teaches children there's no value to human life, 
that parents and authority mean nothing. Lawlessness is praised. The prophecy of the ages that there will be a time when good will be called evil and evil will be called good. Friends, this is those days. The good news is, and I don't mean just good, it is very good, is our hope and our promise is that Jesus did come. He did die on behalf of us and Jesus did rise from the dead and that Jesus promised, behold, I am coming soon, Revelation 22. Therefore, we have a great and wonderful hope. All of us in this side of heaven will experience various degrees of storms, everyday storms and struggles and difficulties. And in those times, the tempter is the one who comes and says, see, he didn't come through for you, did he? God really isn't for you. Where is your God? First off, believers, our God is who he says he is, and he is good, always good. And he has not forgotten one, not one. He knows every one of those children who has fallen. He knows every one who has fallen. The Bible says he sees the sparrow fall. How much more valuable are you? And now know the truth that the enemy is a liar. Young people, I was thinking of those who are graduating. You're not here by accident. You were created by a loving God for this time. You weren't born in the 30s, 40s, 50s, or 60s, or 70s. You were born for this time. You are called the Alpha Generation because you are the beginning of something great on the earth. Don't give that up. Even in all the bad news you hear, don't give that up. You have a promise and a hope and a destiny here on earth that can make a difference. You weren't born to be nothing or to suffer. You were born for greatness. Because God has a magnificent plan for your life. And right off the bat, this message is not to discourage or to impart discouragement or any hopelessness. It's to impart courage and hope to you. Not to bring you sadness, but to impart joy. For yes, there is darkness, and yes, there is bad news, and maybe even some adults around you are speaking scary things. But the good news is, Jesus is calling you today to make a huge difference. That's why you are here. How many of you experienced personally the rage of a severe storm ever? Anybody? Yeah, I see a few hands. And are you afraid of storms? Thunder, lightning, wind? Even a couple of weeks ago, like you said, we had a couple of trees down here, one in my yard and other places. I was about 10 years old when the tornadoes came through Fridley and Coon Rapids and all that area, and I lived in Coon Rapids. And when it hit, I had to be in the basement and the sky was that pea soup green. Now, those of you that were in that, I mean, I've never seen it that thick and that icky, ever. Well, that whole night, all we heard was that buzzing emergency alarm, WCCO radio, and all that, because another tornado had been spotted. Well, after that, even the schools were closed the next day because the sky was still that horrible piece of green. Well, I was afraid. 
I spoke with an elderly couple whose house stands right where the tornado came through in Fridley, and they told me about that experience, that they had just made it to the stairwell when the tornado hit. They said they could hear the nails coming loose from their house as they stood in that. Were they afraid? I bet you they were afraid. I learned firsthand with my family how quickly a storm can rage. Several years ago, when my husband was still alive, our family took the ferry to Isle Royale. Any of you been to Isle Royale? It's beautiful. But and it was a beautiful day, and we're out on the island hiking, and suddenly there was a loudspeaker that called everybody back to the ship because a storm was raging. My sons and I thought it would be a blast to sit right on the front outside there when the waves come over. And I'll tell you what, it quickly came over the bow and slapped us silly. We thought it was like a wild ride at Valley Fair. The storm was so bad that the smaller boats were in peril, so our craft had to keep going back and guiding them into shore. Well, amazingly, there was this tiny green frog sitting on the window. We were watching him. Never let go during that whole storm. And when we landed, there he was, holding on to his safety place. If you watch the news or listen to the radio, you will hear storm warnings increasing in our culture every single day. Or in school, you might hear your teachers talk about dangers, the things that make you fearful. The shootings on Tuesday, that topped the greatest fear for many parents. The pastors in the community were asked, what did you tell these families? All the one pastor could say is, I just could love them. And as simple as it seems, I just had to remind them God is good. Even in this tragedy, not one of those little ones fell without God's notice. These events stir up fear, anxiety, and trouble in one's heart. If you will turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, we're going to read about a storm. Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, beginning at verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him, saying, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the waves. Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now imagine this. That storm was so wild that these fishermen were afraid. They've been in many storms. They've seen many storms. But this one caused them terror. And did you hear what they said to Jesus? Don't you care? Have we ever thought that? Don't you care? Don't you see God? Don't you see this storm in front of me? Do you see my struggle and my pain and my sadness? Don't you care? In Acts 27, the Apostle Paul is a prisoner on a ship in a terrible gale, another huge storm, a mighty storm, 
horrific wind rose up to the point that the crew began to throw everything overboard just so they wouldn't sink. They were in a panic. They were exhausted, and no one ate for days. But Paul said to them in Acts 27, Verses 21 through 26. He said, no one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the Lord came to me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, we will be shipwrecked on an island. Now the interesting thing is, they were told, if you leave the ship, you will die. Stay with the ship. Friends, Why was it that Jesus could take a nap during the storm? Why was it that Paul could, in the midst of all that he was seeing, rest? This God who said, don't be afraid, for God calmed the sea. The God in whom Paul trusted, this same God today, asks you and me, do you trust me? Do you trust me even in the tragedy? Do you trust me when the nails are lifting from your house in a whirlwind? Do you trust me when a loved one dies from some weird disease or syndrome? Like we um, said goodbye to Paul last week. He had a strange disease that they know very little about. But God says, Renee, do you trust me? And if the news is filled with violence and there seems to be increasing hatred and cold, murderous hearts, can you trust me? Family, why? Why could Paul rest in the shipwreck? Why were the apostles able to sing hymns in jail? Why did they rejoice after being beaten and whipped and they sang and laughed and said, ah, great, we get to be counted among those who suffer for Jesus Talk about suffering. These people lived in the time of Nero. If you don't know your history, Nero is one of the most wicked and evil men to ever lived. He was known to use Christians as torchlights on the streets. He was an evil man. And yet they talked about rejoicing, peace, be thankful, look up. How? Romans 8 if you would look with me there. I love Romans 8. Romans 8, beginning at verse 18. It says, Yet we suffer now is, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal in us later. For all of creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse, but with eager hope, 
The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Isn't that interesting? Even the creation. The creation looks forward to things being made right. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right before this present time. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from this sin and suffering. Somebody said to me at Paul's funeral, one thing we don't talk enough about as Christians, that we get new bodies. We just don't die and our soul go to heaven. Yes, we go and to be to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, but there's going to be a time when cancer won't hit you, when the limping won't hit you, when a stroke won't hit you, any of these things because you're going to have a brand new body. I won't have to wear compression socks because of my shin splint because everything is going to be made new. We need to encourage one another that this is just all temporary. Our bodies will be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope the day that God will give us our full rights as adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. I love this. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Friends, if somebody ever tells you, oh, you're not praying right, you're not, you know what? None of us do. None of us. But it says the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. That gives me comfort, because sometimes all I can say is, God, I haven't got a clue. Help me. Haven't you ever had those prayers? Where you finally just, that's all you can say? And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Even if you don't know his will, he knows his will for you. And the Holy Spirit brings those prayers to the Father. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance. He chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself. And having given them the right standing, he gave them his glory. And I do have to read the rest of this. And please, there's life in the word. There's power in the word. When we read the word, we are reading forth the very words of God. But it says, what then? What shall we say about this wonderful thing? Is God for us? Who can ever be against us? Since we did, he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us when God has chosen us? No one. 
for God himself has given us the right standing with himself. Who then will con condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? See, this is perfect, hun. We need to hear this. We need to take this in, that there's calamity, there's danger, but God's love has not left us. In fact, I would say it increases in its volume in our ears and our heart that says, I love you. Danger cannot, uh, cannot separate you. Hunger, persecution, uh, nothing that threatens you with even death can separate you from the love of God. And I am convinced that nothing Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from the love of God. No power in the sky, above in the earth, below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Go back and read that again. Read that at home. Read it to each other nothing, nothing, nothing. Yes, there, there was panic. They were exhausted in one day on those ships. They were exhausted. But the, Paul said, stay with the ship. Friends, now then more, more than ever, we need confidence in Jesus in the storm. The promise of Jesus, he says, not to be afraid, for God who calmed the sea, the God in whom Paul trusted is the same God today who asks you, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Family, the good news, don't despair. Yes, we grieve. We grieve with those who grieve. And we rejoice with those who rejoice. But just as we read, read it at home again, with life on this earth, we are here for such a short time. But the true hope is what we have in Jesus. The promise of glory surpasses any sorrow or fear that we have on this earth. We can, what can separate you from the love of Christ? Nothing. Why can Jesus sleep in the boat? Because he knows the truth. He knows who he is. And he is with you in your boat. When you feel like giving up, stay in the boat. Will they ever tell you when a boat capsized, stay with the boat? My little frog friend could have tried to leap from his safe place, but he would have died. Instead, he clung. He clung to the side of that window and was safe. I want to leave you with good news. All that we experience on earth is why Jesus came. It shows even louder and, and, and more vividly, we need him. Our world needs him. Our politicians need him. Everybody needs Jesus. After sin corrupted the creation, Jesus came to restore us to the Father. And I want to ask, add something. If anyone says to you, how can a loving God let this keep going? How can a loving God send anyone to hell? Have you ever heard that? I want to tell you something. God doesn't send anyone to hell. He rescues us from it.
Let's say that again. God does not send anyone to hell. He rescues us from it. Because all of us in this fallen world were headed to hell. He doesn't send you there. He is rescuing. He's in the mission of rescuing. He says, I'm throwing you the lifeline. Take it. Just look at what is happening. If you don't believe that we were all headed to hell, this isn't a new thing. It's from the beginning of time. The emperors in the Old Testament, New Testament were all evil. Pedophilia is nothing new. It was back then too. But just look at how evil is being normalized, celebrated, and called good. Again, all the creation is moaning and groaning to be rescued. Jesus is our Redeemer. He is our Savior. He came so that we don't have to pay that ultimate penalty of sin. He is our Rescuer. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, came rescuing us from the pit of hell where we are all headed. But praise be to our loving Heavenly Father that he did not leave us lost, but he found us. He rescued us for eternity with him. That's good news. As long as we are here on this earth, yes, there will be painful and bad times and bad news. But family, look up. Jesus came and he is coming soon. He is resting in the boat. He knows exactly what he's going to do. Nothing goes without his notice. He will never leave you or forsake you. God is God. He, as the Apostle Paul told the others in the ship being torn apart, stay with the boat. The Lord had promised if they stayed with the boat, they would be saved. The Savior of the world lay napping in the fishing boat, raging storm, and he said, why are you afraid? The creator, the all-powerful, the one who made you is right here with you. Friends, stay in the boat. Cling to the safety, Jesus. He is our safe place. All can rage, all can fall apart, all can burn and crash, but one thing I know, I belong to the Savior and I'm clinging to him. Cling. Cling. It's your safe place. Let us pray. Father God, I just thank you, thank you, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that you didn't leave us to the corruption and to the uh, penalty of sin. But because of the blood of Jesus, because of the cross, because of what we just celebrated in communion, we cling to the cross. And we know, Lord God, that it is by the cross and your shed blood that we have been rescued. That even though we suffer for a little while, oh, the greatest and the best is yet to come. I thank you, Father. I thank you. In Jesus' name. As we close today, I want you to know that as family, we care about one another. We care deeply about what makes us sad or scared or hurt. And this being, being scared, talking about that, isn't meant to condemn, but rather that we come alongside of one another and help each other and encourage one another. So I would just like to say if there's anyone here and you know, don't feel um, 
shame, but maybe you're struggling with some kind of fear, would you just stand? If you don't mind, I mean, that's a bold thing. Just stand if you're wrestling with some kind of fear. Or raise your hand if you would rather not stand. I want to pray for you. Okay, I see the one. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. So, um, thank you. That's another good. It is courageous. It's hard to admit, you know, especially as Christians. We, we you know, don't fear, don't fear. We think, oh, that's a sin. You know, our, our sin is more trying to hide it than it is to let us pray for one another and help one another. So, Father God, for these two that raise their hand, Lord God, I pray for your peace that passes all understanding to wash over them. I pray, Lord God, that you would come to them in a very real and personal way, that they would know that you see them, that you love them, that you have plans for them. Lord, whatever is making them afraid, I pray that you would show yourself in that situation, Lord, that they can trust you, that you will never lead us astray, that you will never take us down a wrong, wrong road. You will never disappoint us. You will never discourage us, but you are our hope. Bless them, bless them. Wash over them right now. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Fill them with their, your compassion and your joy. In Jesus' name, amen. And young people, again, the alpha generation, you have a big promise and a life ahead of you. And we need you. You need to know that. We need you. Would you stand, please, and I'll read the benediction. I love this out of Jude. Jude's one of those books that isn't read very often, but I love it. It says, Now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away and to bring you with great joy into the glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in this present and beyond all time. Amen. Go in the joy and the peace and the confidence of the Lord Jesus. Amen.